Hello everyone, my name is Ryan and you're listening to The Vegan Report. If you're vegan for ethical reasons and you care to do more for animal rights, but you're not sure where to start, then this podcast is for you. Every week, fall in love with passionate, thought-provoking and inspiring animal rights leaders who will help you find your voice, your own special contribution to the animal rights movement however small or big it is. For those of you who don't know, last week's episode and today's episode are both on the topic of vegaphobia, and they have both been produced in partnership with the New York City chapter of the National Lawyers Guild. They are organizing a webinar on Tuesday, October 17. It is called Expanding Vegan Rights, and it will feature vegans from all over the world who were the victim of discrimination and who decided to fight back. For the very first time ever, they will meet each other and share stories of what they went through. I invite all of you to show your support by registering to the webinar. Follow the link in the description and don't miss out on that amazing conversation. In last week's episode, I had on Tamara, the organizer of the webinar. This was one of our most listened conversation. So if you haven't, make sure to check it out. But today we are having an exclusive one-on-one conversation with Astrid Prévost, one of the webinar's guests. Astrid is a French citizen and ethical vegan. As someone who has battled bulimia, And as a vegan, she has the noble aspiration of becoming a board-certified dietitian to help people who are struggling with their eating habits. However, she recently encountered discrimination in the context of her studies, threatening the accomplishment of her dream. But she is fighting back in a lawsuit that could forever change a French board of dietitians, which is deeply prejudiced against plant-based diets. So hi, Astrid. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Ryan. Thank you very much for having me. So Astrid, my first question for you is, why did you decide to be vocal about your fight uh, in this podcast and in the upcoming webinar? Well, um I decided to be vocal about my fight because I think it's very important for other vegans to realize that we can fight for our rights and also that our rights defend animal rights. It's all linked. So I think it's very important not to just let it go. I'm wondering, you know, do you think that discrimination against vegans is just one more face that uh one more mask of animal exploitation that it's not really about discriminating against vegans it's about continuing that exploitation that you're just you know a collateral uh victim of this big animal exploitation well i don't really know about it but what i know is that discrimination against vegans really uh prevents people from being from becoming vegans because people are afraid to be discriminated against. Some uh, become vegan and then they quit veganism because of the, you know, the social injustice and because they feel they are not accepted and they are mocked and they have a hard time finding food uh, where they live. So yeah, I think discrimination against vegans have really like a very concrete, very concrete. Um, uh, outcomes. And so, yeah, I think that's also why we should fight against it, because the um, the final outcome is that it promotes uh, animal exploitation, even if it's not direct, but still. That's an amazing answer. Um, and before talking about how you were discriminated against, um, let's start by telling the story of your vegan journey. So why did you become vegan? Um, And you told me before that you were first vegetarian and then you became vegan. So how did that happen? Yes, right. I was first a vegetarian. Well, actually, 
I never liked eating animals. I remember very clearly that when I was three years old, I perfectly understood that meat was dead animals. Well, I didn't understand so much the concept of death, but I understood that it was animals' flesh and that they had to suffer for us to get meat. And I hated it. But I thought that there was no other way to, to do. And also during my whole childhood and teenage years, and I think even now sometimes, I really wanted to fit into the mold. I didn't want to be outside the box. So I didn't say anything. I didn't ask to become a vegetarian when I was a kid or a teenager. I just wanted to fit in so badly. So I just forced myself to, to eat animals and do like, well, you know, as if nothing was uh, happening. And well, this was like a pattern for me. I did this for, uh, for well, to eat meat, but also for other things. And well, my story is that during my teenage years, I became bulimic. And actually, this was not so much because I wanted to look like the supermodels or whatever. It was much more um, an issue of me not being myself. And so actually, when I decided first to become a vegetarian and then later on a vegan, it really helped me with this because it was like setting boundaries for me. It was telling myself and telling the world that I have my boundaries. I respect them. Whatever you think, these are my, my boundaries and I'm not going to cross them because you think otherwise. So this was a very important step. And I became a vegetarian only when I was 20 years old, because at this time I traveled a lot and I met, uh, well, many people. Some of them were vegetarians, some of them were vegans. And I realized that this was possible. So I wanted to do the same and stop eating animals. But at this time, I was not aware at all that milk and, uh, and eggs were also killing animals. I just did not see the link. I thought you don't kill a cow to get the milk. You don't kill a chicken to get the egg. So what's the problem? And actually it took me eight years, I think, to know about this. It was thanks to an NGO that I learned that uh, dairy and eggs also kill animals. And so I never planned on stopping eating dairy and eggs. But when I learned about this, I thought to myself, okay, so I have a choice. Either I go this way, and even though I never planned to, to do it, and I was even afraid that it would bring back some, you know, bulimia and binge eating because it would bring back the, um, the obsession of food. I was very afraid of this. Or I thought to myself, maybe I can just do things as if I didn't know, but I cannot unknow something I know. So I decided to give myself a try. I thought, okay, I'm going to try to veganize my eating habits for six months. And if it works, okay, great. If it didn't work, at least I tried. And it worked very well because I've been a, an ethical vegan for eight years now. <laughs> Amazing. And congratulations. Um, you know, usually when people say, oh, everyone can be vegan, I think uh, not everyone. I mean, there are people who have like health conditions that stop them from eating lots of fibers. Um, but also there are people like you who have an eating disorder and I feel uncomfortable, you know, preaching veganism to, to those people. Um, what is your take on that? Should we talk about veganism with people who have eating disorders should we be more sensitive about advocating for veganism, you know, thinking about, oh, maybe there are some people with eating disorders and they might be, you know, they might want to become vegan, but they just can't because of their condition. So what is your take on that? Well, from my point of view, we shouldn't just forbid ourselves to talk about veganism with the, with these people, but in the end, it all depends on how they are and how they take their, their journey. For example, I know that if I had become vegan for, uh, well, in, in the hope that I would, I would have lost weight, it wouldn't have worked. 
if it was about myself, I it, well, I would have quitted and well, you know, it, it would have been a failure. But I didn't do it just for myself. It was something bigger. It was about a philosophy. So that's why it worked. But I think any change in um, in food habits is very hard to implement, actually, whether it is for, well, to lose weight or uh, for ethical reasons or for the planet. You need to have a very, very good why. And so if your why is strong enough, then it's going to work. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I often say the health, the health argument for veganism is kind of weak. I prefer the ethical and philosophical one. And I'm, I'm happy that we're on the same page on, on that topic. Um, so you did not only become vegan, you started advocating for animal rights. And I want you to tell us about how you made that transition, because this podcast, the goal of my podcast is actually to encourage vegans to take the extra step and to do more for animal rights. So how did that happen uh, for you? Well, first of all, I would say that it took me some time to go from vegan to vegan activist, because at first, I really needed to take time for myself to see how it worked for me. And well, I'm someone who really needs time about everything. And, you know, I just needed not to be influenced by anyone. I hated when people looked into my plate and told me like, why do you eat like this? And what about your proteins? I'm like, well, blah, blah, blah. But also I needed not to be influenced by vegans or activists to tell me, oh, this was, this is very good and you should do this and you should do that. I really like cut myself a little bit from the, from the world and just tried it for myself to see how it felt really, rather than know a lot of things. And it took me some years. And when I saw that it was working perfectly well for me, then I felt confident enough to go and be an activist and share with others what I, well, what I saw and what I felt for myself. And so I began with um, with diverse organizations. First, it was very small things. Um, it was, uh, you know, just uh, some street actions. And I'm well. I'm not very much about. Um, advocating like showing people images uh, like very violent images and like this because I don't like it and I'm very sensitive to it so I I cannot stand it for myself but I'm much more about advocating like showing people it's possible showing that vegan food is good that you can enjoy yourself and you know like this because I think for me it's things that work so I share this kind of things and also I became um, like, you know, uh, I made some chronicles like a journalist for a small web media some years ago. Uh, yeah, so I worked with diverse NGOs and I volunteer in a sanctuary also in, uh, in Switzerland. So yeah, diverse actions. And how, how did that uh, engagement uh, impact you in your personal life? Did it feel good to do more for animal rights, or is it? Does it some sometimes get you know tiring and you're thinking, oh, maybe I should you know take some distance from my activism? Um, take some distance? No, never. <laughs> but actually, about how it feels, I think it feels both ways because on the one hand you meet a lot of people and it's very encouraging and you really build a community and learn things also and this is very important. On the other hand, you are really confronted with the, the fact that the world doesn't move fast at all. And now I also work on more political subjects and so when you are in this world i mean i just have a toe in this world but still you really can see how sometimes hypocrite it is they you know they say that they want to do some things and it's a lot of very beautiful words but it's only words and it's never actions yeah i mean that's politicians for you <laughs> um i yes right i want to know because you're from france 
how is veganism perceived in, in France? What is the reality of vegans in France? It's complicated. <laughs> uh, we are not very well perceived. I mean, now I think most of the population think that vegans are just people who go and um, and like break uh, break butcheries or break slaughterhouses during their weekends or things like this, or people who just eat uh, like uh, grass and grains and that's it. Or some some of them think that it's only about eating like fake uh, fake things, fake uh, fake food. That's it. <laughs> But on the other hand, it brought a little bit vegetarian vegetarianism out of the box. Now being vegetarian is much more acceptable than it was. And I think this is because veganism is actually much more like uh, not so well perceived. Some years ago, even vegetarian, it was like you were an alien. That's such an interesting point. So because there are more people who are becoming vegan and vegan is more in the mainstream and it's perceived as extreme, then vegetarian is more acceptable for people <laughs> because they're comparing yes, it to right. now, vegan. Now the extreme, yeah. Now the extreme thing is, is being vegan and veg being vegetarian is okay, mostly. <laughs> Basically, people are saying, oh, at least you're not vegan. You're, you're vegetarian. Yes, right. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into um, the topic of uh, what happened, you know, the discrimination that you went through. So as I understand it, you decided to uh, study nutrition. Um, why did you choose that field? Uh, how did you make that choice? Why is nutrition a passion of yours? Well, I think given my history with food, it was like obvious well it was a call i think because both because of my uh, my history with bulimia and also with my history with uh, veganism i really wanted to show people first that it was possible to be vegan and to be healthy and i met quite a lot of people who maybe not wanted to become vegan but began to question their food habits but we're afraid about um, like lacking some nutrients and like this. So I really saw that there was something to do about this. And also being a former bulimic, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I know that actually food is much more than just like putting gas into a, into a car. It's not just energy. It's a, it's a lot more. It has so many psychological um yeah, links to it. So I really wanted to to talk about this and to be able to to share with with people. Um, first, I I took a certification to become a nutritherapist, and this was great. Actually, I loved it. But in France, it's not recognized. Like it's not official. I still could help people like individuals, but I could not work on a collective level. And I really wanted to do this to be able to, yeah, to help more people and to help change society at a bigger level. So I registered for the dietitian course. This is the only, uh, the only dip diploma, the only degree that is uh, official in France. So yeah, that's how I, I came to, to this, uh, to this degree. So I, I guess you got, um, um, a sample of what it's like the field of nutrition doing your certification and then you decided to level up and get more serious about it and become like a board certified dietitian yes right mm -hmm. exactly and what is because you mentioned how um you wanted to talk about veganism at least you know create um, more resources, be an expert in the field and um, be of help of people who, who want to transition and adopt a vegan diet. I want to know what is like what is it like to be um, vegan in France and you want to try you know getting some professional help to help you know organize your diet. Are you going to find easily like a nutritionist, uh, a dietitian, uh, an expert? Uh, to help you, or are you going to be judged? Uh, are there any prejudices? 
Well, you should really research specifically for a professional who who knows about veganism, because otherwise, if it's just any medical help you search, you are going to be judged and you are going to be told that you have to eat meat, um, especially if it's for children, like, for example, parents who go to the doctor or to the dietitian to get advice. Uh, If it's not someone who is, well, really trained about veganism, they are always going to tell them that the children have to eat meat and that it's uh, it's a big problem if they don't and they will uh, have like a big uh, nutrient lacks. So yeah, it's complicated still. Wow. Um, so the baseline is it's a hostile environment. And did you know that it was a hostile environment before getting into into the field? I knew it was a hostile environment and well, really, you know, I just wanted to get this degree to be able to do what I wanted afterwards. But what uh, I learned after registering is that you have um, a class in a, that is called uh, like culinary techniques. And basically, it's a cooking class. There are some other subtleties, but still, it's basically a cooking class. And during this class, especially for the exam, you only have animal products to cook. Uh, I was studying from home. I was like a, a distance, uh, you know, distance uh, student. So yeah, it, it was in during, my home. during COVID, I think. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Well, at home, I could do whatever I wanted. But still, at the exam, it's a national exam. So you are only pro- provided with uh, with animal products. And what's crazy is that in the, um, like, in the text, uh, the, the text low, there is it's not written down that you should use animal products or whatever. They even say that uh, the students should be able to um, like to advise people uh, with uh, ecological uh, advice and like this. So it's a very, very beautiful words, but still in the practice, it's always animal products. So the problem was this particular class, this cooking class, part of your curriculum, and there were only um animal um ingredients and i mean is it like did you have like limited number of ingredients um because i guess for the people listening it's like oh but what if you just don't use the animal products what if you use only the 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 vegetables or uh things like that but actually you have like a meal that you need to make and that meal is made up of um, animal products. Um, So can you make that nuance? Yes, well, actually, as you said, it's like you have a recipe to make. Well, usually it's two recipes for the exam. And they, well, because they only give you animal products, it's like you have a limited list of ingredients, as, as you said, and you cannot, obviously, you cannot bring any ingredients from your home because it's a national exam and they only authorize you with what's directly on the, on the, on the exam site. So, for example, we, we have to cook some very traditional French dishes. I don't know if you know about it, but we have like blanquette. Uh, that is made with veal or bourguignon, some things like this that can be asked. And so, well, th- these are some recipes that I I can do with the vegan ingredients. I know how to do them. I can cook them vegan. But still, if you don't give me any vegan ingredients, if you only give me veal and like carrots, I cannot give you a blanket with a well, a blanket blanket de veau with just veal if uh, yeah i i won't use veal because i'm vegan but if it's only carrots then it's not the it's not what's uh, what's expected and by the way this class is required you can't uh, pass the class and just get no. your degree no. yeah right it's uh, it's compulsory okay and i guess people would have told you oh but just make it you know make the meal you don't have to eat it just make it, you know, close your eyes, do it, and just forget about it, get your degree and do your good work in the field of veganism. Why was that not an acceptable option for you? 
well, it was totally unacceptable. And I actually, there are some uh, some vegetarian or vegan dietitians who do this and who just skip it for the day. But I can't. I can do this because because of my history with food. I mean, it would have meant for me crushing my boundaries down. And it's like, tell me, okay, just for one day, you can you can leave your boundaries at the door and just uh, you know walk on it and crush it down. It it doesn't matter. And well, it matters actually. Okay, so what did you do then? Uh, how did you react? Well, obviously, it was very complicated for me, and at first, I didn't see any any issue to this problem. So at first, I quitted. After some months, I chose to quit this uh, degree and thought, okay, I'm gonna do otherwise, whatever. I don't know, but I'm gonna do otherwise. Then. After some month more, I reflected about this and I thought, okay, this is very important for me, for my career. If I want to work with NGOs and with uh, official institutions, I need to be a dietitian because otherwise I won't be heard. So I thought, okay, I'm going back to to get this degree and to tackle it. I don't know what I'm going to do about it, but I'm going to do it. And well, to make it a little bit like easier for me, I chose to to take uh, first the very scientific uh, courses during the first year because intellectually this is the more difficult. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna tackle this part first, and if I if I get it, then I will be too advanced to quit again. So that's what I did. This was last year in uh, 2022, and well, when I came back to this class, I still was uh, lost. I didn't know what to do about it. But I thought actually that you could um, at least go to the jury on the day of the exam and explain them what you did and why you did it. I thought it was a little bit like during, uh, you know, what you see on TV for the cooking um, um, cooking soap shows. Master like Chef. This. I don't know how you call it. Yeah, like Master Chef. Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. I thought that you you just uh, meet the the examinators and present them your dishes. So I thought, okay, I'm going to prepare something like a uh, something like a little bit a little speech to to explain to them why there is nothing on my plate and why it's uh, like not good at all. <laughs> but at least I can tell them, okay, this is for the animals and this is my story, and uh, you know that for the for the planet it's not good. So yeah, at least I can just express myself. And finally, I learned that this was not the case at all, that on the day of the exam, you prepare your dish. After, afterwards, you just leave it in the fridge. And after you leave the room, they come and take your dish and taste it. So this was like a big catastrophe for me because I didn't even have this platform to express myself. So. Finally, after some months, someone gave me the idea that actually I had this medical condition and that I can use it and I can ask a doctor to give me a note saying that I cannot cook with um, with animal products. So that's what I did. And actually, I went to a very understanding um, uh, doctor and she gave me this, uh, this certificate saying that I should not cook with animal products. But I don't know if it's the same in the US or in Canada, but here on the medical certificate, the reason is not um, is not written down because this is medical secrecy. Like, you know, if, if uh, you give something to your boss, yeah, they should not write the reason on it. That's your, uh, you know, your, your stuff. Yeah. And so what did they say? I mean... You, they have the paper from your doctor saying you cannot use those ingredients. You need to take that class. Um, it is required. You program that class for your last semester of school. You can't give that speech. So what was the response? Well, first of all, it took a very long time to get a response. I of got this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I got this paper from the doctor uh, late February this year, so 2023, and they only responded to me in May. So this was several months before they gave me an answer. 
And first of all, they accepted. So I was very happy about it. And I even got the paper that uh, it was okay and that I would cook this uh, for this exam without animal products. And then 10 days later, I got a call from, um, well, here we call it the rectora, like the, you know, the, administra the national administration who organizes the exam. And it was a very embarrassed man who told me that uh, they were sorry, but actually it was not possible to adapt the exam without animal products because everyone should cook the same thing with the same ingredients. Um, and that the best they could do was provide me with um, a protective equipment like gloves and, you know, a full equipment to, to protect myself from the animal products. Because what I understood from this call is that they thought I was allergic. They couldn't see any reason, any any other reason why I should why why I could ask to to cook without animal products. That's that's just crazy. I mean, they gave you a pair of gloves, and they were just like, "Yeah, yeah, we can't adapt." Why? Why is it so hard to just give you like a like any kind of vegan recipe, like a salad? Or, I mean, it's healthy. A salad is healthy. Why is it so hard for them to just accommodate your your needs for, for that exam? Well, actually, I, I wrote them back and that's what I told them. I, I told them that either I could have another recipe, but even if they just um, provided me with, with the vegan ingredients, like, uh, you know, some soy proteins or some, um, well, plant-based milk or whatever, I can cook vegan recipes like traditional French dishes, but make it vegan. There is no problem with this. And what they answered me is that all the students should have the same recipe. But actually, they didn't answer about the part of me telling them that I can still cook the same recipe, but with vegan ingredients. But I think the why is just because it's like so far from their way of thinking. It's like, yeah, it's so strange to them. Well, do you think there is... um a more, you know, I, I don't want to, to judge their intentions. We, we don't know, you know, their real intentions, but do you think they have like a, like a animal pro animal uh, industry agenda? Like I'm thinking about a discussion I had on episode 12 of the podcast with Dr. Heath and she's this vet vegan veterinarian. And when she started speaking up for animal rights, she got this big backlash from her colleagues and from veterinarian associations. And she told me that the reason why lots of vegans, uh, lots of veterinarians are not vegan was because in the selection process, they will reject people who are vegans uh, from, you know, starting a degree in uh, veterinarian school, which is crazy. And I'm thinking, maybe this is what's happening here. Maybe they don't want vegans in your profession. Maybe this is why there aren't many um, um, board-certified dietitians in your um, uh, in your field. You know, vegan in your field. Um, so, what do you think? What is your um, instinct saying here? Well, I think that what you say is true, but at a bigger level. I mean, when they build the um, nutritional recommendations, there are the lobbies sitting at the table. So, yes, this is the part where they intervene. But, for example, I think that in the program, the program is built in a way that it already discourages vegans to get into this um, this degree. And... I'm the exception, or it will be vegans who, and there are not many of us, but it will be vegans who just like um, cook the, um, the 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 recipe that is asked on the D-Day, and after after all they do whatever they want, but still, you know, the recommendations are still very anti-vegans. So I think it's not the people from the administration, the people I talked with who are anti-vegans or who are like paid by the lobby or whatever. I think on their part, it's really ignorance. It's not wanting to bother themselves and to, you know, just to do things the way they they are used to do it. But I don't think it's, um, it's being anti-vegan or pro-lobby or whatever. Yeah, it's mostly ignorance. But on a bigger, on a bigger level, yes, it is. Yeah, and 
yeah, it's not like a nefarious plot against you. Um, it's just, you know, this ignorance that you're talking about that is being fed by the animal, by the influence of the um, animal industry. Um, okay, so by the way, how did you feel about all of this? Because, um, you know, I would have felt like just so anxious. So this is such a stressful situation because first of all, you started the degree, then, uh, you left, then you came back, then you, you programmed that class for your last semester. And you're just, I mean, you're approaching, uh, more and more to the date of, uh, the exam and so it's like it's a very stressful situation um how did you feel how did you keep uh your um mental health uh in check well i think i didn't keep it so much actually and yes it was it was very stressful and during the first year even though i was not taking this uh this class well the the exam for this class at the end of the year uh, I still relapsed into bulimia, actually, because this still put a lot of stress on me because I didn't know what to do about it. And during the second year, well, actually, it was not uh, about bulimia, but I was just unable to study, especially this class. I was just totally unable to study if I tried to read some things or listen to some things. You know, every time I saw the name of an animal product, it was just like so stressful for me. And also I was very angry about it. So at this moment, it was just like words were mingling in front of my eyes. So yeah, it was a lot of stress. Totally understandable. And the other students, were they understanding of your situation? Did you share what you were going through? What was your their opinion? Well, because I was studying uh, from a distance, you know, like, uh, yeah, distantial, I was not in touch with a lot of students, but actually the students who were not vegan, they just didn't understand at all. And there are some some uh, students in dietitian class who are totally anti-vegan also. And there are some vegan students that I knew who were very supportive of me, but well, you know, for them, they, they just wanted to do what they were asked, asked to on the day of the exam to secure the exam. But still, they were supportive, but not ready to like to do as I wanted to do. At this time, I didn't know how, but just um, be sure that I wouldn't cook or touch animal product on the day of the exam. And it's sad because I guess you had to hide the fact that you were vegan um, to certain teachers um, and that was just a missed opportunity to maybe ask them questions that were relevant to veganism because you don't know if they're prejudiced. So yeah, it's it's a complicated situation. Well, as for this, as for the the part about the the questions, I also took another like degree. It's not like um an. Well, it, it's not it's not official, but it's not like um, something you can um, you can put on your CV or something like this. But it was something spe specific about vegetarian uh, eating, which included vegan eating as well. And it was a class was made by two doctors uh, who are very like pro vegetarian, pro vegans. So I had this class in 2022. So, you know, about the knowledge I needed, I could ask it on this yeah on this part so yeah i didn't need like the um, the regular course to to give me this knowledge nice that's great to hear and there are other countries where it is more acceptable to be vegan and vegetarian so you have resources there too uh, that you can access okay so what happened next they're suggesting you to use you know gloves you're insisting that you this is not about skin this is not a skin condition um so you still had to take the exam what happened so this was in uh, late may that they told me that uh, finally uh, i should cook with the animal products like everyone else uh, and the exam well my exam was on uh, june 6th so it was very very short notice so at this time, I was asking myself a lot of questions, but still, 
I thought about going to justice and I told the man who phoned me from the administration that I was going to bring this to justice. I was not 100% sure of myself because I I feared a lot that, uh, well, you know, it was embarrassing for me and that uh, I could, well, be seen like, uh, you know, the the botherer, well, someone who, who bothers everyone and like this. But still, I thought to do this. And after thinking about it for some days, well, this was the good decision for me because, you know, I, I thought a lot about why I went to this, uh, to this class and why I wanted to get this degree. And in the end, it was for the animals. It was not just about myself. So I thought, okay, even if I need to, to wait one year more to get my degree, I'm still going to do this because well, you know, getting my degree is more about uh, something about my ego, but yeah, that's not the final, uh, the finality of it. And let's not, you know, get into the, the te details of it, but how do you start, you know, um, suing someone for something? Did you have to look up for uh, a lawyer uh, then you had to explain the situation. What What is the process that you have to go through? Well, here, when uh, you sue the administration, it's, um, it's, a, it's a court, a specialist court for the administration. You don't have to get a lawyer, but still, you know that uh, it will be better for you if you have a lawyer. So I... Well, I didn't really search for for a lawyer at this time because I was in contact with the with one, but he's in Switzerland and I'm in France. So the first thing I did is that I cc'd him with um, in my emails that I sent to the administration, and at first he told me, "Okay, I'm gonna take your case," but after all, we phoned each other and we thought, "Okay, so this is maybe too complicated because even if he's if he's uh, specialized in international rights." It's international. It's not about the French law, especially. So he found a colleague in Paris who could help me. And uh, yeah, so that's how I, I found a lawyer, because I knew that if it was just myself, you know, there are very some very specific uh, language, like uh, yeah, low language. If you don't fit into it, it's not so good. So I wanted to take a lawyer. Yeah, it's called, I think, uh, legalese, um, the language of lawyers. Yeah. Yeah, and it's horrible. I start reading, you know, um, text of laws, and I just I want to go to sleep. Uh, it's so boring. Um, okay, and and then what? You know, did you get that diploma? Um, or I don't know. <laughs> how how did they? I still I I still uh, I still didn't finish it because it's a uh, well it's uh, a degree um, where we get the results very late and actually I'm still gonna take one part of the exam next week uh, no this week actually in two days <laughs> um, it's about the memoir that you have to you know something written and then you explain it and I get the results only next week so I still don't know if I got it and are you worried because. I feel like, you know, you're suing them and they have to grade your papers now and, you know, decide whether to give you that diploma or not. Are you worried that they won't be objective uh, in their assessment of your um, profile, of your student profile? Well, I was very much worried at first, and when I was in this, uh, like wondering, okay, am I gonna, am I going to do this or not? I was very much worried about this, but what I realized since last June is that actually the examinators, I think they don't know about it, they don't communicate that much, and you know the examinators, they just come and grade you or correct your uh, well, what uh, what you wrote. But they don't have like your whole resume, so I think it's it it can be done. I don't know. <laughs> That's good. And okay, now you're suing them. What is going to happen if you win your case against them? Well, what I hope is that it will become compulsory. You know, it will become here we say jurisprudence. I don't know if it's the same word. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
it will it will become jurisprudence that there should be vegan ingredients in uh, in the exams in the cooking exams for the for the dietitian. I really hope so, and that's why I went to justice because if it would have been just for myself, I don't know if if I would have bothered that much. But it's also because I thought, okay, if nobody says anything, if well, it will just continue like uh, like this. If even vegan students don't say anything and just comply on the the day of the exam, no, nothing will happen and nothing will change. And that's amazing because you know you're going. If this succeeds, you're going to change the field of nutrition in all of France. And students, vegan, who want to get into that field um, won't have to go through the struggle that you went through. So, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing story because it's like if, you know, you, want, you wanted to do more for animal rights and... Often, you know, the whole team of this podcast is choose your fight, uh, choose your way of making a difference. But you did not choose that fight. That fight chose you, which is, uh, yeah, crazy and amazing in its own way. Um, what can we do to support your fight? Well, first of all, giving me a platform to talk about it is really great because I think that's important to take the word out and to make people realize that they have power, that they can do things. And that's also why I do this and I went to justice because, yeah, I think it's important not to just say, okay, I'm going to let this go. Um, after a while, as for me, I think this is really the most important. Um there is another another fight that I'm supporting actually very much. Uh, that's also about uh, about justice for for vegans and so for animals as well. That is very important. It's um, it's an appeal that is happening at the European Court of Human Rights right now, um, and this is based on the story of a former vegan prisoner who was a well he who is a friend of a friend actually and. It's his lawyer who found me my lawyer, actually. Um, and this is a very, very big uh, fight because it's the the ECHR. And so if he wins, uh, it will um, it will make that, uh, you know, European countries will will be obligated to give vegan options at least in prisons and I hope also in hospitals and we can hope maybe one day in schools as well. So yeah, it will be 46 countries if he wins. So this is something huge and he is leading a crowdfunding right now to pay his lawyer. So this is a way to help also, uh, yeah, to defend vegan rights and so animal rights as well. Yeah. And Listeners will find a link in the description to support that crowdfunding campaign. Um, so what I understand from this story is that, you know, he went to prison and there were no vegan options. So he basically starved. Yes, that's exactly it. There was no vegan options. Some days he could not eat anything because even, uh, you know, the pasta, or the rice or the vegetables were cooked with dairy or with eggs. So for days he could not eat uh, at first, he was not given any B12 supplement. Uh, it took him two months before the prison gave him some. And at first, they they gave him some vegan uh, supplement, some um, sorry, some B12 supplement with animal products in it. So he could he could not even take it. And it took maybe two months more before he was uh, authorized to get B12 supplement from his friends, bringing them bringing it into prison. So yeah, this was crazy and yeah it's a very good thing that he went to to court with it it's a horrendous story um but yeah like like you said i'm so happy that um he's fighting for um for the rights of vegans and it's good that you mention his story because i guess i'm sure that there are listeners right now who went through some form of discrimination uh being vegan and you know, maybe, maybe this is the sign uh, for them to to fight against that. Um, I don't know if there is 
any you know Facebook group or any kind of group uh, network uh, to support you know um, vegans who who lived through discrimination because of their dietary dietary choices you know like a support group um, so maybe this could be uh, an initiative that a listener could start so yeah. Yes, totally. This would be a good idea. And yeah, to support each other, I think, and encourage each other to do something about it. Yeah, well, what do you want to say to uh, vegans who want to do more, but are still on the fence about it? Well, I think, first of all, maybe find your way to do it. I mean, don't think, okay, this is the good thing to do. Like uh, the only way is to show people uh, horrendous images of slaughterhouses. So I should do this, or uh, this is the efficient way. So I should do this. I think first of all, begin by yourself, like think about what you like, what you are good at, what you want to do. And yeah, put this at the service of uh, yeah of the vegan cause and of the animal cause. So that's the way you will thrive i think at what you do and also about vegan discrimination well discrimination against vegans i think that we should always say something and maybe not being very vocal about it i mean i'm i'm not shouting everywhere like okay this is a big injustice and i'm so uh, i'm so miserable and like this but still i think it's very important to say, okay, this is a no, this is my limit, and you're not going to cross it, point, like a period. Yeah, I agree with that perspective. Yeah, we want more people to to be vegan and to stay vegan. And (laughs) if we allow those institutions to continue, you know, marginalizing vegan, then our mission will be harder, uh, or sometimes even impossible. So Astrid, did you want to add something before we end this conversation? Just a big thank you for having me on your podcast. And um, yeah, that's really, really great. I think that's very important to make our voices heard. Um, and also in some way it is to make the animals heard because, you know, I, I don't say so much that they don't have a voice because actually when you are in contact with an animal, they really know how to speak with you and how to communicate with you. But I think to other humans, it's important that we humans speak up and tell our stories and encourage other people to yeah, follow not our path, but their own path to being more empathetic and vegan, because vegan is good. <laughs> Amazing. That's a great message to to end the conversation. Thank you so much, Astrid, for having been a guest on on this show. Thank you so much for sharing this uh, incredible story of yours and for continuing your fight for animal rights. You have my full admiration. So thank you very much, Astrid. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Let me remind you that the webinar will be happening on October 17. There is a link in the description for registration and more details. I want to thank the National Lawyers Guild for hosting the event. As always, please tell your friends about the show and why you love it so much. Let's inspire more people to take action. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a 5 stars review. Finally, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Vegan Report Podcast. Thank you again for listening. Take care and see you next Tuesday for a new episode.